0: to the cloud okay so without further ado welcome to the jli course journey of the soul uh if you'd like you can grab a pen and paper if you want to take notes it's going to be a very very interesting course so we always like to start out our course with a joke and we will get to the joke in a moment but first i want to start with something a little more serious and what do i mean a little more serious I want to lay down a foundation. We're discussing life and death uh, in these classes. And uh, I want to read to you a response. I didn't get it, but someone else got it. A scathing email response to the advertising for this course. And this this person wrote like this. this, I read a lot about what supposedly happens after death, including your sources. And he says, it's all a bunch of BS. Sorry, but none of it is true. No one knows the psychology. the psychologically desperate people find comfort in this. Um, I'm really sick and tired of people saying things that they do not know as if they knew them and convincingly convince feeble-minded, desperate people who lost faith in science because by definition, science does not know know everything. We all well-meaning people must admit our ignorance in some fields in the absence of any type of convincing evidence. If we were to talk about stuff that we do not know, we need to preface it with a statement. It is just a question of integrity, otherwise no difference from selling snake oil. Okay, so obviously this person was a little bit uh, extreme. Uh, and the point of, of what I'm going to say is that um, matters of death are in the Jewish sources where it explains to us uh, different things that we do know about death. Now, whether you believe in Jewish sources or not is a, is a totally separate course and we could have an entire course on whether we believe the Jewish sources. So in this course, I'm not going to empirically prove anything to you. I am only going to present to you ideas based on Jewish sources. Um, so uh, we're never really going to get deep in the woods about whether we trust you know, what it says or doesn't. We're going to, we're studying the Jewish view on life and death and the journey of the soul. And uh, that's the story. Now, how much of it you connect with, I leave that up to you. Hopefully you connect with uh, most of it or all of it. That is my first preface. My second preface is um, going to be a joke, but uh, instead of me saying the joke, well, I'm gonna try it a little bit different. I'm gonna try, um, i gonna try playing it in a video. We'll see how that works. Uh, just one second, I'm setting up over here so I can see everybody while I share my screen. Okay, so here it goes. Might be a little bit loud in a moment, so be ready to adjust your volume. I'm gonna. Oh, I'm also gonna mute everybody. Uh, you can always unmute at any point to talk. Oh. One more. I keep saying one more thing like rabbi's famous last words. Uh, today's class is sponsored by uh, Dr. Jenny Aaron Davis. In loving memory of uh, Rose Davis, a blessed memory. May your memory be a blessing and may she's a blessing and, and uh, success. And uh, all wonderful things to her family and to all of us that knew her. And to Ta'am Yisrael, you know, she's a wonderful lady. And uh, we miss her very much. And uh, we hope that uh, the journey of the soul will culminate very soon as we'll get in probably the last class uh, where everybody becomes revived. Okay. So let's get to our joke. You probably heard this before.
1: Okay, let's go to the next question. Gentlemen, what do you hope people will say about you at your funeral? At my funeral, I hope they'll say I put the needs of my congregation before my own.
2: At my funeral, I hope they'll say I extended my ministry beyond the walls of my church. At my funeral, I hope they'll say, look, he's moving.
0: So that's obviously a very, very... um a very, very common. One second, I'm trying to get past that slide over there. Okay, that's obviously a very, very um, famous joke. I'm sure you've heard it, but it's actually insightful uh, to our course because in our course we are going to be discussing how not only um, uh, how life discusses how, how death is about death, but death is also about life. That's really what today's course is going to be about, is showing how our understanding of death can impact how we live. And that's why I like that joke where it ties in life and death together in the same joke. Either way, it's a good joke, so it was good too. Um, so that being said, I wanna first start off with this question and I'd like everybody to get into the chat. And I'd like to I'd like to know, I'd like you to put into the chat, what about this course attracted you? What uh, thoughts, you know, it's obviously, although it's called Journey of the Soul, we all know Rabbi's code word, we're talking about death. For talking about you know the next uh, the, the journey of the soul. So what about this course attracted you or uh, you know what makes you think or what makes you connect with this course if you could put in the chat and uh, or you can say if you'd like but otherwise I'd like to read in the chat. what is it, uh, what is it about this course that you want to clarify to you what, what, t- what topic of it interests you? Um, I just want to get a feel for what's what people are thinking. So you don't have to chat everyone. you can select me on the list. you can chat just to me if you like. you don't have to have everybody see it if you don't want. Um, Rabbi? yes yeah what one thing tracked me was um finding out exactly what you know uh, what Judaism believes in all you know life and and uh, death and all that, and also to find out what the thinking is um you know beyond death mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're curious you're curious what what the soul does basically? Right. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, what Judaism believes the soul does. Uh, someone else mentioned here after my dad's passing, I always wanted to know what happened to him. I never consider it before. So that's another common reaction. Um, so a one reaction we had here is our own feelings, our own mortality and where we go. Others have had people that they've lost in their lives. And we think of that, we want to know, you know, what, what what happened, Where did you know, we know it's a sad moment when they pass away, but what else? What else is their journey? Any other thoughts? Uh, you got? If you got to unmute.
3: Oh, I'm on mute. Oh, there.
0: Now I unmuted you. Yeah, go oh, for it. Thank you.
3: thank you, Rabbi. I was going to say I had no interest in the course at all to start with. Um, and, but I felt, you know, it would be nice to hear what you have to say, you know, because you're an interesting speaker. Um, but I sort of dreaded it um, because it's not a subject I'm particularly interested in. I right. just looked through the handout before uh, we started. And I attend um, a, a Zoom course uh, done by Rabbi Yaakov Lerner, who was the uh, Rabbi of the Great Neck of uh, uh, Young Israel mm-hmm. and, um, for many, many years. And he talked today about the same quote about uh, Rambam about what your it was in in, he does it for the parsha reference to Bishallah, which we discussed, and the same thing that uh, what you have to live by this right um, only for the three big cardinal sins um, uh, are you allowed
0: to um, right you're quoting the text of it that we have to live. But right.
3: I found, I found the other things very interesting. Also, when I right. it
0: too. okay. All right. So listen, I, I, I'm happier to be here. I'm I, here. I am flattered. It was actually one of my options over here that some people might show up just to hear, just to hear me. I'm flattered. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, my my view on this is very simple. I'm 84.
0: <laughs> okay, I hear you. Well, you have till 120, so I mean. Got another. Uh, what is that? Another right. Right. 30, 36 years to study I need about all it.
1: All the information I can get.
0: <laughs> okay. Someone else mentioned over here. Um, you grew up going to different uh, temple, and topics of death were never specified openly. And uh, obviously, if things are not discussed, you tend to take from other sources, right? If if Judaism is not going to tell us what we think about death, well, then you're automatically going to take from other places. And um, so therefore, it's, it's really important to hear from a Jewish perspective what it is, um, and uh, especially being a fundamental aspect of our faith. Okay, so to summarize, what are uh, the reasons people come? One is people might come for, um, they might have lost a loved one. They wanna know what's you know what's happening with them. Others may be getting of an age where they wanna think of what's the next stage. Others, um, might come might come just to listen to me. Um, others are attracted because it's just a general fascinating topic of life, death, reincarnation. You may have read different quotes in different places. And you might want to just get a clarity on the entire topic. So therefore, I want to uh, set out what we are going to discuss in these next six weeks. In these next six weeks, uh, I hope you all um, can you give me a thumbs up if you can see the screen. Yeah. Okay. Great. All right. So um, in this next in over these next six uh, weeks, we will discuss death from these different avenues. We'll discuss the philosophical, in other words, philosophical and theological, um, the purpose of death, of uh, the soul. Um, you know, does Judaism believe in heaven and hell? So again, philosophical and theological questions about life and death. We're going to get into the emotional. Of course, that's a very difficult part and the anxiety associated with uh, life and death. And uh, finally, we're going to discuss the practical. And practical, in other words, um, practical is like what? what is actually the process a lot of people don't know, right? You know, somebody passes away, you call the Chavar Kadisha, you call the rabbi, you call the funeral home, they take care of everything. A lot of people don't know what actually goes on. Uh, discuss topics of cremation, tahara, if you're familiar with that, the burial shrouds, Uh, many, many different practices and traditions, we will get into the practicals of all of those. Um, Okay, so now that I've told you what we are going to discuss in the uh, general course, uh, I will now tell you that in today's class, we are going to discuss the Jewish perspective on death. Um, In the world, the perspective on death I would say today is it's largely ignored unless you can't ignore it, right? Most people choose to live their lives ignoring the final moments, ignoring the idea of death. Uh, in some cultures, death is celebrated. You know, it's funny, my wife got some advertisement on her, uh, on her Facebook today about some country where when people die, they have dances at the, at the funeral. Um, in other places it's kind of ignored Uh, in the book on, uh, Cremation, actually, uh, Rabbi Doron Kornbluff makes this point that for some, cremation is is a, is a way to kind of uh, distance ourselves from death, not have all the gory parts and the funeral and the burial and everything. So it's in some ways we want to be in denial. Not that's not always the reason. That again, that's a that's a discussion for a different class. Um, what is the Jewish view on death? Um, you know. And when we think about it, throughout life, we all experience our highs and our lows in life. Um, We have setbacks. We have physical pain, emotional pain, frustration, loneliness, betrayal, financial uncertainty, and so forth. But nothing even remotely compares to death. All the difficulties we have in life will never, ever compare to death. Death is uh, something that's final. Um, Every other trial and tribulation has an expiration date, or at least uh, theoretically. We hope so, right? But death is something that's very final, and that's why it's such a topic that people will ignore. In other words, you'll find people talking about more about financial difficulties than death, right? You'll you'll probably find a lot more courses that will deal with financial difficulties than death, because it's final. What are you what are you, gonna, you know, <sighs> some people are scared of it. Um, that's why, for some people, talking about the topic makes us uncomfortable. You know, just by talking about the topic makes us uh, think about. Uh, our mortality, which can bring on our, our fears of death. And in today's class, we're going to gain a Jewish perspective on death. And by doing so, by gaining a new perspective on death, we will actually gain a new perspective on life, which, in a sense, will diminish our fears of death. To the to in the sense that we will view life and death, hopefully, in a different light. We'll view life and death in a, in a totally different light. Again, death is death is difficult no matter how you look at it. I'm not saying I can, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here selling a magic pill to take away the fear of death. And honestly, fear of death is an important, powerful thing. You know, even in the Jewish books, it says sometimes if you're thinking of sinning, you know, think of the day of death. It's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, the fear of death to an extent. But uh, by gaining a proper perspective on death, it will not make us freeze, but it will actually empower us in our life. That's really what I'm going to do today. I want to empower you in your lives today. It's not just a discussion about something in the future, but by understanding the Jewish perspective on death, that will empower you how you live your life right now. It should change your life right now. So if you came here, you don't really like the subject of death, well, thankfully, you'll walk away today, hopefully, with a a greater empowerment of how you're going to live your life. Okay, so let's start with the Jewish perspective on the Jewish perspective on death and the Jewish perspective on death is obviously and I'm sure you know uh that Judaism does not consider when we die that we that we're gone right we obviously know that it's a next phase of life we know that there is a soul uh and we are going to explore that a little bit further but the question is when we die what dies and who dies you know uh, or to put the question in other words uh this brings up the question of Who am I, you know? Um, That's really when we think of death, who am I? Who is dying? Who is living? Who's continuing on? And um, since uh, that's the driving question of today, who am I? I thought I'd share this little piece. Anybody knows who this is? Anybody? No? He's gotten a lot older. This is Jackie Mason, okay? He's got a little piece I wanted to share. I need the comedy today. Um, I'll, I'll share about this little piece about who am I. Um, oh, that didn't really work. Well, maybe it won't work, we'll see. All right, looks like it doesn't wanna work. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> either way, he has this, looks like it doesn't wanna work, all right. So, so goes life sometimes. Anyways, he has a little piece on uh, who am I? And he basically says, you know, I showed up to the uh, psychologist, I showed up to the psychologist's office and let me see if I could share it this way. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see um, it doesn't want to go okay all right what can you do all right so goes the life anyways he has this little piece where basically he says that uh, you know he shows up to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says you have an identity problem and uh, we have to figure out who the real you is And uh, for figuring out who the real you is, it's going to cost you $100. And so Jackie Mason says, wait a minute. If you're not sure who the real me is, and I don't know who the real me is, who said I owe you the $100? Maybe you owe me the $100. (laughs) And he has it a little bit more at length. It's a pretty funny piece. You can find it. It says, whoever knew Jackie Mason never looked so young. That's a video from 1967. Anyways, so the driving question today is, who am I? And um, it's a it's a it's a it's a particular question. I ask this to a lot of people. When you think when you pass away, who is the real you? Is the real you is it your wants and desires as you have it now? You know the soul that lives on. Is it the same soul that likes pizza? Is it the same soul? What exactly is the real you? Um, and if we cannot define who we are, then we cannot define the beginning, the end, and the middle. We cannot define what our soul is. So. Let me now put it to you in more philosophical terms. Let's put it to you like this. Um, anybody here knows someone close that passed away? Anybody? Or been around or heard of someone close that passed away? Typically, when we hear of someone that passes away, we stop and think. It makes us think for a moment. Um, oh, look, you know, this person passed away. Their, their, their whole life, their whole stream of life, it's kind of cut short. Um, it makes us confront the question of who we are. You know, are we just this vast, are we just this speck in this vast universe? Are we just like a fleeting wind on this earth? You know, what impact can we make on this earth? And I, I as a rabbi, I tend to think of it a lot of times when I, when I get involved with people, uh, when I, you know, have to do a funeral. Fortunately, I've never, you know, lost someone that's very, very close. But um, I see this all the time. If I go into a home of someone that's passed away, you know, I'll be there and I'll look all around the house and see all these items the person collected over their life, Uh, you know, and I'll I'll look at them. And and it gives me a kind of a little bit of sadness, like wondering, like, this person spent their whole life collecting these pictures, collecting these moments, these memories, and now it's all gone. Where is it? You know, what's, what, what if this person is continuing? You know, this, what they've lived their life for seems to stay here. Yes, you know we always say they live in the hearts and minds of their fellow people, but a lot of what they what they lived with and lived for seems to move on, and um, I, I often think of it when I when I encounter such a thing, and so it makes me think, what's the real me? So um, let's take a look at a Jewish source that tells us who the real us is. The real us is, and it's in, of course, the uh, Uh, If you have a student book, it's going to be text number two. This is from the Zohar. Now, this is something that you probably know automatically. You don't need me to tell you. But uh, the real you is, the wise are aware that the human body is not the human being. I think we all knew that, right? If you're coming to this course. When we speak of the human being, we are referring to the human's inner dimension. The body is merely a garment in which the soul is attired during its sojourn in the world. So what we're saying is you is not your body. You is not your head, you is not your heart, or even the sum total of your hearts. Um, Not only that, um, even your intellect, emotions, feelings, fears, and desires, that's not the real you. Um, Let's say someone's afraid of heights, right? Would we imagine that their fear of heights is what continues with them? Is that what continues with their soul? Um, No, that's not the real them. So it's interesting. So now we have to really question who is the real me? kind of like everything I know about myself is not the real me, right? It's like all these feelings that I have, that I deal with, that I spend hours with my therapist talking about, is that not the real me? So what I'm getting at is before you came to this class, everybody here I'm sure knew about the soul, right? You came to this class because journey of the soul. But how often have we ever thought what is actually the soul, right? How often have we thought, how do I describe the soul? How do I describe the relationship to the body and the soul? So I actually want to turn that question to you, everybody that's here. Um, Can you describe the soul? What analogy can you give to the soul and the body? Any any thoughts you have to share about the body and the soul? Um, If I were to ask you to describe the soul, how would you describe it? any thoughts and yeah, don't don't be afraid of getting it wrong <laughs> my inner spirit my your inner my, spirit mm-hmm. my inner emotions and inner emotions okay someone wrote over here light okay any other thoughts Don't be afraid of getting it wrong, because as I'm going to point out in a moment, there is actually no real wrong answer. Part of God in us. Yes, that's true, although it doesn't describe too much, which is actually the next point. So the actual point is, is that really a soul is spiritual. And if a soul is spiritual, we cannot fully grasp, picture, or understand it. Uh, For example, you say it's a part of God. Well, just as we can never fully grasp God, we actually cannot fully grasp the soul. Uh, so you might say we're endeavoring something that's impossible. <laughs> so, what am I trying to get at? But the answer is there are certain aspects of the soul that we can understand. And that is what I want to get to. I want to bring to you a couple analogies over here that will help us appreciate a little bit more about the soul. And by having a little bit more of appreciation about the soul, um, we'll have a, a better appreciation for life in general. So I'm going to play a video over here. Now, this video is part of the courts and it's framed as,, um, it's framed as a meditation, but we're not, I'm not actually gonna leave it on for the meditation at the end, uh, because sorry, I'm not into that. Um, there will be a link. I mean, I am into meditation, but it's very difficult. Uh, so, but I will leave it on uh, there will be a link at the end of the class. You can find the meditation, but, uh, really you can close your eyes even when listening to him. So he's so here you're going to have one description of the soul. That's going to clarify to us a little bit about the relationship between the body and the soul. So let's take a look over here. Too loud. Turn down your volume. Sorry, I think it stopped.
2: Hi, this is Rabbi Sheistab. Welcome to a series of meditations for the course, Journey of the Soul. The purpose of these meditations is going to be internalizing some of the deeper ideas that are a little bit difficult to grasp. And generally, we will try to do so by way of visualization. Trying to picture symbols that represent some of the ideas and that we can focus on briefly so that we can begin to connect on a deeper level to these ideas. To begin with, the entire notion of life is a a challenging concept because it is so intangible. We're used to relating to things, to that which we can see, to that which we can touch. And life is completely intangible. How do we begin to relate to that which is unseeable, untouchable. How do we envision, how do we see the unseeable? So if you will, I'll ask you to begin right now, however uh, you're most comfortable doing so, close your eyes, keep your eyes open. Envision a musical instrument, a physical object, uh, let's say a piano made of wood and wires, something you can look at with your physical eyes, you can touch it with your physical hands. It's a a physical object. Now, the piano is merely a thing. A person comes over to the piano, the pianist sits down and begins playing, playing a beautiful song. Now, this song stirs your soul. Try to hear it, hear the music. Where is the song? Can you see it? Can you touch it? You can see and touch the piano. You can't see or touch the song. And now the song is over and the piano is standing there. If you'll open up the piano, will you find the song? Think now how everything in the world is matter and energy. The matter is the physical object that we see, the piano. The energy is the intangible, the song. We'll take a half a minute now to try to think of ourselves in these terms. Think of your body as the instrument. The physical object that can be seen, that can be touched. And think of the life you live as the song that is being played through the instrument. We'll take half a minute right now.
0: All right. So like I said, I'm not actually going to take the half a minute and do the uh, do the meditation. But that was that was the idea. So this is one great analogy for the soul. That was really good. Rick, I thought you would say that. And you probably want me to do the meditation. I'm sorry, we're not doing it. (laughs) But um, but you will have it in the video uh, afterwards. So the soul in the the song and the analogy is there before the piano, is there after the piano. But the piano is a way of channeling that song into a thing, into something we can touch and feel. And we can say the same thing is about our soul. The same thing is about our soul, that our body is something that can channel our soul, but our soul exists beyond our body. So the real me is intangible. The real me is like the song. it, It exists before the body and exists after it leaves the body and it's always there. But here I wanna add on one more idea that although everything in the, let's say even animals have a soul, there is still a difference i um, sorry, I'm just going to unmute everybody. You can unmute when you need. Um, there's still a difference between an animal and a human being in their soul, as far as their soul is concerned. So this is taken from text 3b and 3c, and I'm not going to read it inside, but I will show you on the screen. Um, it says, that when God formed the, the human of soil from the earth and breathed into his nostrils, the nasham, the soul of life. So that's what it says about human beings. If God, he formed a human being, right? He took the dirt, he made a person, and then he breathed the soul into it. By animals, it says, let the earth bring forth all kinds of living beings. So if you look at it not too deeply, you'd say, well, there's no difference between a man and a human being. They both were a given life. The difference is, if you look carefully, you see... The difference is like this. The human being, first a body was formed and then a soul was put inside of it. Whereas by animals, the life force and the body were created together. What does that tell us? That tells us that for animals, the body and the soul are one. When the body is alive, the soul is alive. When the body is not alive, there's no necessity for the soul. That energy and life force gets subsumed within its spiritual source. One second. It doesn't mean they don't have a godly source. What it means is their spiritual soul gets subsumed within the greater force, the greater godliness. By human being, God delineated a soul, a human soul, and the human soul exists before the man is created and exists after the body dies. Uh, yes, Estelle? Please send me a... Yes.
3: So... <laughs> Does that mean that when an animal dies, they are they don't have a soul that that lives beyond like we do? Our soul never dies, but uh, what I understand is that animal soul does die.
0: So, all right. So, so I, is that I, correct? I, no but i understand what you so let me let me let me read you again here uh the soul doesn't die it becomes subsumed in its divine source so we know let's say for example uh, our souls are a piece of god now it's a trick to make a soul that's a piece of god but yet has a distinct entity okay so our souls god made this trick where our our soul is a piece of god but yet it, it retains its own identity okay so before we're born, we have our soul that it's a unique identity. It comes into our body, it leaves our body, it still retains a unique identity. An animal soul does come from a spiritual place. If you want to know technically in Kabbalah, it comes from the animals that are in God's holy chariot. However, uh, their souls do not have a unique identity before they come into that. Before they come into the animal, and they don't have a unique identity when they leave, so they don't die but it becomes subsumed back in its supernal source. So it doesn't retain a unique identity. So that's the difference. I'm it doesn't die, but it doesn't retain as a separate identity. A godly soul, since the at the soul and the body are not intertwined, the soul lives before and after it comes into the body. Okay? okay. So this is not uh, putting down animals in any way, but there is, there is a differentiation between animals and people. Uh, we both have it it, to an extent, a a godly source within us, but there's a big difference between a godly soul and an animal soul. But this doesn't take away from animals being so beautiful and they can be a messenger of God. You know, they're coming from God's chariot. That's where their soul is coming from. So uh, that's why they can bring us so much comfort in our lives and so much goodness. And, and actually according to Kabbalah at a certain level, animal souls are actually of a higher source than people. Um, I don't want to go too far on that, but uh, all right. Um, All right. Anybody else have another question? Yes, uh, Jacob. So then,
3: excuse me. So when we, let's say when we consume um, an animal,
0: then we elevate it to a higher purpose, but it's not... Okay. (laughs) Yes, you are on the right track, but I didn't want to get that far. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But what I'm getting to here is what the real you is this soul. Like the song and unique to human being, the soul existed before it was put into into the body as you see here on the screen. And therefore it also exists afterwards. Um, Put in different words, the body has no independent life. The body is completely dependent on the soul conversely the soul has a very independent life if we want to put in other words the body tags along with the soul for a little bit of while you know the body you know does a tag along to give itself some life for a little bit of time but ultimately you are your soul your soul existed well before and your soul existed well after rabbi simon jacobson gives another interesting example he gives an example of electricity he says you know if you have an appliance in your house that dies you say where'd the electricity go Right? No. Well, the electricity was, was running around before the refrigerator came and after the refrigerator came and it's all around. You know, it's, it doesn't die because your refrigerator died. Um, okay. So with these two points in mind, we now understand why death is not um, the end of life. It's just the beginning of a new phase of life, right? If we were to think the soul always existed. So existed in one phase before it's born. Then it has another phase while it's alive. Then it has another phase after it leaves the body, but it never died. It personally was always around. Um, And we will now describe how this gives the soul conflicting feelings. When I said there's a new phase in life, we wanna now, since we've now moved our perspective, we're not body people, we're soul people, really. The soul is the real you. We wanna now gain a perspective of our soul. We wanna see what does our soul think? What is our soul? How does our soul view this whole life and death process? How, how does it view it? Um, so let's take a look over here. I'm going to share on the screen if you have the book. Um, it's on text number four. Um, please, since I'm trying something out, please give me a thumbs up if you can see the screen. If you can see the text. You see the text? Yes? Okay, good. All right. So here is a fascinating description of a conversation between god and the soul before the soul was put into your body so this is from the midrash the midrash says 40 days before the conception of a child god summons the angel in charge of the souls and tells him bring me a certain soul that is now in paradise interesting the soul is in paradise before it's born its name is such and such and its appearance is such and such this is possible because all the souls that are born into this world were created on the day the world was created and exist until the end of time The angel goes and brings the soul before God. The soul bows and prostrates itself before the Supreme King of Kings. God instructs the soul, please enter the seminal drop that is currently in the hands of the angel in charge of pregnancy. And this is the important part, the soul protests. Master of the universe, I am quite satisfied with the world I inhabited since the day you created me. I'm holy and pure, even from your throne of glory. Why do you wish to cause me to enter this future job? So the soul is basically saying, uh, what, what the heck do I need this? I'm having a great time in heaven. There's no pain, there's no suffering. Life is good, I'm in paradise. Let me just stay here for a while. Don't 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 bother me, you know? Why do I need to come to this earth? Um, here's another quote that, that, that brings us this idea. Right, you know what? What do kids do the first moment they come into this world? They cry, right? They cry. We're, it's a wild life of pain. All right, it continues. Text. All right, it's not. It's not so bad. I'm just. Uh, but compared to where the soul was, it's it's difficult. Um, here is text number five. The world is like a corridor. This is from Perkyevod Ethics of Our Fathers, before the world to come. Prepare yourself on the corridor so that you may enter the palace. A single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all this world. So we see from here. So, we have established already the soul exists. So, what we established before was the soul existed before we we're born, the soul exists after we're born. Now, what I'm adding on to it is the soul, as it exists outside of your body, lives in bliss. Life is great, life is wonderful. The world to come. Remember, we said even before it was born, it was in paradise. So, um, if you think about it, the life on this earth is almost like an incidental thing that happens to it, it lives in heavens. A spiritual being. It comes to the earth for, you know, 120 years, and it goes back, has, has its fun. So it's almost like, if you think about it, it's annoying to come down to this world. Now, if we were to leave it at that, you might think um, that Judaism might be flippant or nonchalant about passing. I remember once uh, someone in my community told me they had a family who was in uh, Scientology, and they had a family member that died, and the Scientologist said, well, uh, you know they're in a better place. You know, and no, no mourning, no distress at all. Someone passed away, no big deal. They're in a better place. Life is better in heaven. So you might think Judaism has the same thought, right? If the soul is, if the soul is happier in the spiritual realms, well, maybe we should be dancing at funerals, right? It's great, great, great time for the soul. The soul is finally, finally free to get back to where it wants to go. No, um, I take it you won't agree with that. Uh, but why not? I'll skip this next part. Okay, um, and the, the truth is that this is very far from the Jewish perspective. In the Jewish perspective, um, life is not taken lightly um, and we'll bring a text that will prove that to us. Okay, here's a text that shows, right? If we were to take what I said till now, face value, that the soul is much happier in heaven, you might say, well, if the soul ever has a chance to leave this body, just go for it, right? But here we have, let's say, text number six. If a non-Jew attempts to force a Jew to violate one of the Torah's commandments at the pain of death, the Jew should violate the commandment rather than be killed because the Torah says concerning the mitzvah, the person should do them and live by them. One should live by them and not die, die because of them. So what we see from here is Judaism places, a very, very... Uh, great importance on life. Life takes precedence over all other mitzvot. So put it this way, if you had an opportunity uh, to do a mitzvah, save your life, you should be saving your life. Life is very, very important. Now you say, why? What do you mean? Um, I, should, I should do the spiritual stuff and if it caused me to lo- lose my life, I'll be better. I'll be happier up there. What's more is actually... Uh, not only does this feeling come to, um, not only does this feeling come to the, not, o- oh, sorry, I lost my screen. here. I'm looking for the right text here. Not only is this the Jewish thought, but actually, I'm going to skip here to text number ten. The soul also has the same kind of feeling. Let's read over here. It says over here, "Al against your will, you are formed. Rick, you disappeared. Against your will, you were born. Against your will, you live. And against your will, you die. (laughs) Sounds a little confusing, right? So we don't want to be formed. We don't want to live. We understand that, right? The soul is happier in heaven. But we're also told against your will, you will die. (laughs) So we don't want to die. So we don't want to live. We don't want to die. We're kind of stuck in this dichotomy, right? Judaism has this hyper-focus on the soul. The soul is so spiritual and is happier in heaven. You know, this world is just a corridor. We can't wait to get to the paradise. And in fact, in some uh, some cultures, um, uh, there was not so much of a focus on life. That's why, unfortunately, some religions focus very much on terrorism and and other things where you can, you know, escape this world and get get some uh, spiritual goodies because this world is just, and it's not so great. So if you have a, a quick tr- tr- uh the the fast track to heaven, go take it, right? But Judaism doesn't like the fast track to heaven. Judaism says, try and stay on this earth. Now that Judaism says, you know, your soul doesn't want to die, wants to stay here. So we have to understand this dichotomy. You know, if we don't want to live, then why don't we want to die, right? If living is against our soul's will, why is dying also against our soul's will? And to answer that question, we're going to go back. Let's go back. Remember, we had a discussion between the soul and God. God told the soul. Uh, let me go back, to text number seven. Sorry. God told the soul. Says, "I want you to go to. I want you to go to the earth." What did the soul say? No, no, no. I don't want to go. What did? What does God answer to the soul? Let's read over here. God hurries to reassure the descending soul. The world to which I am bringing you will prove more beneficial than the one you presently inhabit. Indeed. I formed you exclusively for the purpose of creating mortal life from this particular drop of seed. With that, God forcibly installs the soul. So what God is answering the soul, you don't want to go. I understand. It's very blissful up here. But I have to tell you, uh, the whole reason I created anything, in fact, the whole reason I created you, I created earth, is so that you should come down to this earth. Let's read one more text from Ethics of Our Fathers. A single moment's. Text eight, a single moment of repentance and good deed in this world is greater than all of the world to come. So what we have here, and this is going to answer our complete perspective of the Jewish perspective of life and death. We have here a soul that didn't want to live, but we know also at the end of life, it doesn't want to die. And we also now have our answer. We have our answer to the Jewish perspective of life. Let me show it to you over here. Um, skip over here. So the answer goes like this. Against your will, you're born because the world in which it came from is more is more pleasurable, it's more exciting. But against your will, you die is because this world is more important. See the bread and the ice cream. That's a nice description. What I'm trying to say is like this. The soul is eternal. The soul is spiritual. So automatically, naturally, the soul is going to appreciate spirituality, is going to appreciate paradise, is going to appreciate heaven more. That's where it wants to be. But God's purpose and God's entire purpose for the creation of the world is to create a physical world in which we have to do the work, in which we work in this world and we do those good deeds. That's the purpose of why we're created. In other words, both concepts are true. The soul doesn't want to come down to this earth because it's a lot easier up there, but it doesn't want to leave because it has so much to accomplish here. It has so much to do here. And put in other words, in heaven, the soul doesn't really accomplish anything because as God told the soul, this world is where it's at. This world is where the job is. Let's go back to that text. God said like this the world to which I'm bringing you will prove more beneficial than the one you presently inhabit. And deemed I I formed you exclusively for the purpose of creating mortal life. So that's what God is saying. God is saying, yes, you enjoy it up here better. It's more pleasurable. I understand you don't want to be born. You don't want to be born. But once you get there and you realize the power of good deeds, the power of mitzvot, the power of Torah, the power of what you could do on this earth, you won't want to die. And what's interesting is, is that uh, we mentioned an interesting line, and that line was that not only uh, are we down in this earth, is that for the soul's benefit, but it's for the entire world. Let's read over here text number nine. God created the universe on condition that if the Jew accepts the Torah, he told the universe, you will continue to exist. If they do not, I will return you to nothingness. So what that's saying is, Is that if we don't follow the Torah, if we don't follow the commandments, if we don't follow our guiding light, if we don't follow how God wants us to live, then God has no reason to create this earth. So in a sense, God could tell the soul, you don't want to be born? Well, if you don't want to be born, there's no reason in your existence. The whole reason the soul exists is so that one day can come down to this earth and rise above this earth and, and do its mission upon this earth. Uh, let me just finish off this point. I want to give you a great analogy. A great analogy is like this. Um, imagine a guy, lucky enough, he proposes to a girl and uh, she says yes. And they set a wedding date. And so now he calls up in his Hotel. He says, I want to book the hall. Then he calls the videographer. He calls Larry, Larry. He says, Larry, I want to do the video for the wedding. Then he calls the florist. I want the best flowers for my wedding. Then he calls Sylvia. He gets the best caterer. Then he calls a photographer and he gets, uh, he gets the Mike Eisenstadt band. He gets, he gets all the best stuff. He gets all the best stuff. He shows up to the wedding. He's standing there under the chuppah and suddenly he gets a text message on his phone. And uh, it's his bride to be he just as I'm sorry to tell you the last minute. I got cold feet. I can't go through with this marriage. I'm, 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 I'm done. All right. Let me ask you this. There's, there's all this food there. the musician, the music, the food, the food is good. The music is good. The videographer is good. So let's just continue on the party, right? No. If there's no marriage, everything else there falls apart. If there's no marriage, everything else is worthless. We don't need it all. And so God tells the soul the same thing. Paradise, beautiful. The world to come, beautiful. Heaven, amazing. Spiritual delights, wonderful. But if you don't do your job on earth for at least a certain period of time, I have no need for all of this. I don't need the heaven. I don't need the earth. I don't need this. I don't need that. I want you to go down to this earth because that's why I created all of this. That's what all this pizzazz is for. That's what all this fluff is for. It was all so that you could go down to this earth and do that mission. Everything else that's created is what we would call in the movies, the supporting cast. They ain't the main characters. And that's why in Judaism, nothing is more important than life. We don't idolize death. We try to stay alive as long as we can. That's why in Judaism, which is another course, we, you know, in Judaism, to pull the plug on someone, right? Pulling the plug in the hospital is, it's a very, uh, you know, in the halacha, it's a very complicated thing. But, you know, we we typically don't do it uh, because uh, even if the person we know is only going to live another few days, And they're not even technically going to do any more mitzvot. We would even desecrate the Shabbat to keep them alive for another few days. Why? Because we believe as long as God is putting the soul in the body, there's some mission. Sometimes we see the mission of Torah mitzvot, but other times we don't understand the mission. But God is the one that's putting the soul in the body for that mission. We don't have the right to tell it to go away. Life on this earth is so precious. Every single moment is precious. We would rather desecrate the Shabbos even though that person will, God forbid, never keep Shabbos again, just to keep that soul in the body, because the soul in the body somehow, some way, is fulfilling its mission, which is not our job to figure out how. Yes, Rick.
2: This is the um, Babylonian Talmud
0: uh, that I'm quoting over here.
2: No, this this God created the universe
3: on a condition.
0: That's the that's the Babylonian Talmud, correct? Smart that's guys. The, um, I mean. They're more than smart guys. They had a spiritual insight. I wouldn't just trust them because they're smart. There's a lot of smart people out there. <laughs> but yes, okay.
3: I, I would I would say that's a prerequisite to being smart, having a very strong spiritual connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. You're right. That's that's beautiful. I love that. Okay. So now let me just continue over here to the next point, but thank you. Um. So, this brings us to my next point, And that is, we understand now when I said earlier why the soul has conflicted feelings. This world is a scary place to be in, but at the same time, it's exhilarating, it's exciting. It's like when you embark on a new job. You know, it's a little bit scary, but it's exciting. You know, you're finally getting to what you wanted to do. And um, I'll, I want to present to you a real life example of this. Based on what I said, we will understand a very, very interesting passage, a story, I should say, that's in the Talmud. All right, let's read this story, and um, let's take a look over here. Here's the story. When Rabbi Judah the prince fell ill and lay in his deathbed, Rabbi Chia entered and found him weeping. My master, exclaimed Rabbi Chia, why do you weep? Was it not taught if one dies smiling, it is a good sign for him, while weeping is a bad sign for him? So he was saying, well, why do you cry? Die smiling. Rabbi Judah replied, I weep because of my inability to study the Torah and observe the commandments after death. So this story is very interesting. If you walk into someone who's on their deathbed, doesn't it kind of make sense that they're crying, that they're going to die? No? Like, what's what's the question? What's, what, what is he asking? Why are you crying? Of course he's crying. He's about to die. But the answer is, based on what we've learned It's not a reason to cry just because you're dying. As we understand, the soul lives on. The soul moves on. So he was saying a person of your stature, a rabbi of your stature, someone who can appreciate soul. Okay, we're not on that level. Okay, I can understand we would cry. I'm not saying I'm on that level either, but we're talking about Rabbi Judah the Prince, the greatest of all rabbis, the one who the author of the Mishnah. Him, he's asking him, you of anybody can appreciate the meaning of the soul. Why would you be crying in your deathbed? And he says, I'm not crying just over my physical life. For that alone, me, Rabbi, the great Rabbi Yehuda, would not be crying, but I'm crying because there's more I wanna do. There's more I wanna accomplish in this life and um, I'm going to miss this world. So in summary, that's just a, a story that brings out the point. So in summary, we said earlier that one hour of life in this world is more important than all the next world But at the same time, we said one hour on the next world is more pleasurable than all of this world. All of that is true. That's exactly what it is. A a, a moment in this world is more meaningful than the next world. But pleasure, excitement is all more in the next world. And that's why the soul has all these mixed feelings. And this brings us to our point, which is on the one hand, death is not the end. But at the same time, we value life more than anything else. And with this understanding, I know I've been all over the place, but now I'm gonna bring it all together. With everything that I've presented to you, we can now come back to something I said in the beginning. I said by understanding death, we can understand life a little better. So let's recap what we said about death. We said the soul existed before we were born. The soul exists after we pass away. And for a short period of time, it comes to this earth and lives within us. Okay, and that's what we said till now. the real me is the soul. Now, generally, how do people deal with death? Uh, when someone passes away, one of the things we say is the person will live in their legacy. The person will live in the, the families and the peoples that they touched. The person will live in their deeds and their actions. And in a sense, that is true. Even in Judaism, there is a truth to that, that the person does live within us. But when you think a little deep deeper about that, that can only last so long, right? Unless you're maybe you know a towering figure your fat, you know after two three generations you become you know like a passing wind but the jewish approach is different we don't just remain we don't just remain alive artificially or metaphorically in the minds of others we actually remain alive our soul retains its life we really are the same before we are born and the same after we die the only difference is in the meantime we live on this earth for a short period of time. And so the way we can truly live in an eternal way is actually by living our lives now the way our soul always wants to live. Again, the way we can, in a sense, have a true eternal life even now is by living always in accordance with our soul. So let, me, let me show you over here on the screen. Let's read this, an interesting line. Um, it says that sadikim, righteous people, are referred to as always being alive. Now, the question is, what does that mean? Why are tzaddikim, righteous people, always considered alive? What would make them more alive than anybody else? If you say, because their soul lives on, well, everybody's soul lives on. So why are only tzaddikim called alive? Why would only they be called alive after they die? Um, You know, Or if you say, oh, they're alive because they impacted other people. Well, I can say that about other people. Like I say at funerals, Aunt Bertha is still alive because she lives in our hearts, right? So obviously there's a lot more. If the Talmud is saying only tzaddikim are considered alive even after they die, there's something special that they do. And the answer is that after we pass away, our physicality fades. Our physical life fades. The the very physical ideas that we identify with fade our feelings, our thoughts, behaviors, and dreams, our very mortal aspirations disappear. But only our mortal physical and selfish elements die. The parts of us that was concerned with our more spiritual aspects never dies. The physical life when we die comes to a crashing halt. Our uh, rooting for a certain sports team, I'm telling you that ends when you get to heaven, right? I know everybody's into Tampa and then, right? It's okay, whatever, but I'm just saying those things don't won't remain, right? If someone lives their life and their whole purpose in life is to be a lifelong sports fan, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying anything against sports. It's a, it's a good pastime, but those things are not what's gonna continue. What's gonna continue is the transcendence part of our lives, the spiritual part of our life, the selflessness part of our lives, the mission part of our lives, the relationship with God. Those are things that, that can never be taken away from us. Everything. This and therefore, that's why it says a tzaddik is someone who never dies, because none of his life ever stopped. When he was alive, he was never focused on anything physical. He was always focused on his mission and his spirituality and the meaning in his life. And so, there was no change from when he was alive to when he died. It it was one continuation. His life continued exactly as when he was alive till after he passed away. Us, the rest of us, are not tzaddikim. We have a mixture in our lives. We have the more enduring parts of our lives, the more mission parts of our lives, and we have the more physical parts of our lives, our hyper-focus on the best pizza. You know, that's, that part of us is going to die. That part's not going to continue on. And that's, that's actually why it says... So let's read it here, the text over here. Very powerful text. The life of a tzaddik righteous person is not corporeal but spiritual, consisting of faith, reverence, and love of God. This reality is reflected in the following passages. Of faith, it is stated that Sadiq lives by his faith. Of reverence, it is stated reverence of God produces life. Of love, it is stated he who pursues charity and kindness will find life, and kindness is rooted in love. And so what it's saying here is that all these ideas, these are enduring ideas, reverence, love, uh, spirituality, these are all things that are going to endure. What doesn't endure is our physical pursuits, or the physical things that we're seeking in life. Those things will eventually... Um, come to a screeching halt. And so we in life, we're all seeking something real. We're all seeking something that's enduring. And the good thing is, is that it's available to us. Today that we've reframed, what is life? Real life? Enduring life is life of the soul. The life of the body doesn't endure. It's not real life. It doesn't stick around. Let's take a look at an interesting uh, verse over here in the Torah. Look at this interesting verse in the Torah. God says, Behold, I have set before you today life and goodness and death and evil. Choose life. So before I get to the explanation of there, that's a, that's a, that's a strange uh, strange option. Choose life or death. Well, who's going to choose life over... Who's going to choose death over life? What, is the, what does the Torah mean? Be able to give you life and death. But now that we have a reframing of life and death, we can understand. Someone can be alive... But if they're only living physical things, then in a sense, they're dead while they're alive. So let's continue. The term life in this verse does not refer to the corporeal life, nor does death refer to the result of the soul's departure. For which simpleton needs to be instructed to choose to live. Rather each creation while alive and fully existent contains both life and death. The physicality of the object is intrinsically lifeless. It is in a constant state of decline and deterioration. We observe this decline in every physical object, as well as in ourselves, our physical capabilities and powers weaken with time. By contrast, the spiritual divine within each thing is alive and eternal and not subject to destruction or deterioration, God forbid. Just, uh, uh, you know, talking about, you know, just sometimes I think, you know, when I think of uh, people in the synagogue, or I think of my grandfather, people that we know, elder people that, as they get older, they're still so focused on soul things. They're focused on study and love and family, spirituality, and God. Um, Their aging is so different. You know, I see some people that age and all they do is they watch the TV all day. Right. But then there are the people that, that, that study, that learn that, 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 that do enduring things. As they get older, they actually become greater. They become they're in, in a sense, you could say, they're more alive. They've built on everything they've learned in their life, and they're living more now than they ever did. In fact, they're retired. They have more time to focus on the more important things in life. You know, they're retired. They can focus on those types of things. When we look at those people, we don't look down at them because of their diminished physical powers. We look up at them. We adore them. We we uh, have more respect for them. Why? Because they're living real life. And so we have these choices every single moment in our lives. When we sit down for a meal, uh, are we going to sit down just for pleasure, just for the deliciousness of the food? That's death. That's not something enduring. But if we're going to eat so that we can have energy to do the important things in life, yes, we may enjoy it along the way. All right, we're not perfect yet, right? But that part of it is gonna be enduring. We were doing an action that was mission focused. Similarly, when we work, are we just trying to get money to enjoy life or are we trying to get money so that we can accomplish the important things that we want to do? You know, I was, um, there's a great uh, story um, that brings out this concept, but I wanted to show you there's, um, uh, on this story, I just wanted to show you, this is a raw share. Um, Someone showed this. Uh, this was a, a YouTube response to a video that brought out the point that I was saying in a song. Look, the first one, this is a lesson I need to have to seep into my being. My materialism is out of town. When well, a three-bedroom house isn't enough for room for two people, it's time to take inventory and make a change. This is the world we live in. People are hyper-obsessed with their physical lives. Uh, there are magazines that are dedicated to following just every single move of every single celebrity. That's all they're focused on. That's their entire... Um, uh-oh, what did I do? That's their entire focus. is their entire focus is um, is the physicality of life. and that is not something that endures. That is something that uh, simply doesn't stick around for a while. And that is why I said if we have a deeper understanding of death, What's our deeper understanding of death? The new understanding of death is that uh, the soul now continues on its journey, as you have over here, the new view of life. Contemplate the eternality of the soul. The soul will always live. It's on this earth for a certain period of time. And so while it's on this earth, make sure you do things that are enduring. Make sure you do things that will be eternal. Make sure you do things that are in line with real life we should choose life and this is also an explanation when the mishnah says this world is but a corridor to the world to come it is not telling us we should trivialize this world that we should put down this world but rather that we should be focusing on things that are enduring that last that fit with that long-term vision they tell a story of uh, the Magad of Mezrich. And this is a song that I've shared once before in one of my uh, previous um, classes. There's a song uh, and it's based on the story. The Magad of Mezrich was once sitting in his home and uh, one of his students came to visit him. They say it about different Rebbes, but I heard about the Magad of Mezritch, and he didn't have much in his home. He had a very bare home, he had a straw bed And uh, he had, uh, he didn't have many possessions. And so his student walks in and says, uh, Rebbe, you know, how are you living such a poor life? You know, don't you, uh, you know, you have enough students, you can get enough money. You can get, uh, you can get a, you can get a Rolex watch. You can get an iPhone 12, you can get a leather couch. You can get the upgraded car. You can get, uh, you can get uh, you know, a a home that has uh, wooden floors. You know, you can get you can get an extra bedroom. You know, the bedroom in your house that you don't do anything with. You know, you can have everything in life. You know, rabbit, why is your home so bare? So then the rabbit looks at him, and he looks at him, and he looks over, and he says, uh, "Where's your uh, wooden floor? Where's your uh, a fancy house? Where's your extra bedrooms? And you're 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 you only have this little suitcase with you." What are you asking me? What about you? He says, oh, Rebbe, what do you mean? I'm traveling. I'm just traveling. I don't need to bring all my stuff. So Rebbe looks at him and says, aha, I'm also traveling. And I'm only collecting the important stuff. I'm only collecting the things that are enduring. You, and that's that was the message Rebbe gave him, as he's saying, just like when you travel, you don't need all the little physical accoutrements. If we look at this earth, as a place where we're trying to pick up the important things, suddenly the upgraded LX version or the, uh, iPhone 23, uh, 500 megapixel camera or the, uh, whatever it is in life suddenly take less enduring. And and that's, and that's really, um, some, t- I don't always think about it, but this is what I said earlier. You know, when I go to a home, someone passed away and I look around the house and look at all these things that this person collected in life, you know, It's more meaningful to me when there was a meaningful collection. Sometimes we just collect tchotchkes. And you know what happens when you collect tchotchkes in life? Then when you pass away, then the estate sale people come in and they sell all the stuff for, for five cents each. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want to collect tchotchkes. We want to collect the enduring, the meaningful things. And so by having a better appreciation of death, a better appreciation of our soul and our eternal life, we try to live every single day with our in line with our eternal life, with our mission, and that will uh, bring meaning to each and every single day of our lives. And this is not an all-or-nothing proposition. It's not either I'm physical or I'm spiritual. Uh, we're all here not going to be tzaddikim. we're all going to have elements and aspects of our lives that are going to be more spiritual. We're going to have elements and aspects of our lives that are going to be more physical. But try and bring a little bit more of that immortal life, more of that soul life into your into your life every single day. Try to live more of that eternal life, And uh, when we live more of that eternal life, uh, we can hopefully become changed people. I do want to end the class with a video that shows uh, heartfelt that discussion of the body and the soul. But before I do so, I want to open up the class for uh, uh, one second. Ah, I want to open up the class for a moment of questions, two minutes of questions before I show this final video. Anybody? Anybody? No. Nobody has any uh, any questions. Everything was so clear. Yes. No. Maybe so. Okay. All right. I hope uh, I hope I uh, was clear enough. So this is a really powerful video. Um, it really brings out this discussion of the. Body and the soul. I'm just not sharing my screen for a moment so the YouTube uh, ad will end uh, because the YouTube ad is not enduring. But the message of the song is
1: Come with me, little Nishambala. Let me hold. To a place down on the land. Come with me, little mission below. Don't shy away. There is so much you can be And I too And let me hold you in my hand. we will fly away, you and I together, to a place above the land.
0: that is just a depiction of everything that um i shared tonight in this class you know just really describing what our soul goes through and if our soul wanted to come you know not wanting to come to this earth not wanting to leave and as the final thing there's so much more i need to do and um,